0: it's not your first thought the benefits of all these signs and symptoms when you look at all those things is that there's a flip side <laughs> but the there is and those same that energy that you have coursing through you is extremely powerful and like i have seen you in the past couple of years have such a shift in redirecting that energy more often like with practice i have seen you have such a, like a positive impact on people that like it's it's been like a light bulb going off for me Um, That this is actually a strength and it's important that as we have more and more therapists and space holders and coaches and people that can see that, they can encourage people who have these signs and symptoms to look for that, look for that, focus your energy on that and that will bring you through the really shitty days where you feel worthless. The
1: amazing thing about the mushrooms is that they speak. They talk to you. They will answer questions, carry on conversations. Psilocybin just pulls up a chair on the porch and puts its feet up. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Psilocybin Says. I am Eric Osborne.
0: And I'm Courtney Rose.
1: And we are here today with a, mm, it was a challenging episode for me to record and bring up. I mean, it wasn't that challenging, I guess, in the midst of it. It's a challenging topic for me to share with the world that I am mentally ill.
0: With what?
1: God, a (laughs) host of things, probably. I mean, you know, I've never been diagnosed and uh, that's okay, but I'm pretty sure that if I was... I would be diagnosed with, God, I hate even saying it right now, borderline personality disorder. I got all nine babies. Sometimes I want to kill myself. Sometimes I want to run away and I hate myself. Sometimes I think I'm isolated and everybody hates me. And sometimes I get crazy paranoid. And it's been a struggle. But it's gotten a whole lot better with support. Uh, And especially as I have begun talking about it and really actively engaging with the process of consciously, conscientiously getting healthier. Uh, It's like anything, you know, once, if you don't know, then it's hard to fix the problem. You know, if your car is making a weird noise, you need to find out what the noise is. And the truth of the matter is that very, 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 very few, in fact, probably none of you listening is 100% without any type of what's now called neurodivergency, which I like that better than mental illness. But at the same time, it's like, you know, let's just, let's just it's okay. It's okay if, if you've got a cold or you've got, well, maybe not if you've got COVID, but if you've got some other kind of disease or malady, then it's okay. But with mental health, that has not often been the case. And BPD is one of the things that had been most stigmatized over the last hmm, 40, 50 years, right back more in the 20s, I think was when it first was started becoming diagnosed. So yeah, in this episode, I'm going to talk very frankly about my experiences. And Courtney is also going to talk about hers because the challenges that we face don't just impact us. They impact the people that care about us. And that should probably... Be one of the most important considerations when we decide to actively take charge of our mental health.
0: Yeah. So the video uh, that you made, uh, whenever that was earlier this year, which is titled, I think, Mental Illness or superpowers.
1: Or Psychedelic Superpower. Or
0: Psychedelic Superpower that received quite a positive response, which led us to record this episode and uh talk more about it and like you mentioned uh have me share my perspective as your spouse and i like to think best friend um and so i really appreciate you asking me for that perspective i think i know that says a lot about you and how much you care about your family and the people in your life um so I really appreciated talking this out with you, uh, with the public uh, in mind. And hopefully this episode will empower others, whether that's spouses of people who are going through some, what we call mental health challenges or uh, neurodivergence. Um,
1: Divergency.
0: Neurodivergency. Um, and, and, kind of help not only have the conversation uh, with those people, um, but also know uh, you're not alone. Um, Mm. And a lot of people have and are uh, going through this and working to make it better, make improvements. Yeah,
1: yeah. If you'd like to see that video that Courtney mentioned, it is under the Sanctuary YouTube channel. And, you know, one of the things that is important to make note of the challenges, challenges that I have faced, my extreme capacity for pain or joy uh, is in large part what's helped to make me a really effective facilitator. And I have seen that over the years. Very, very often those who came to me in the most pain and seeking relief through psychedelics began to understand themselves as incredible support for others. There are a lot of you out there that are in pain and you probably wonder if it has any purpose. And I can promise you that it does. We wanted everyone who listened to this episode to come away feeling empowered. And I think we I think that we succeeded. So I hope you enjoy this and yeah, if you are someone who is struggling with a mental health issue, even if it's not BPD or whatever it is, maybe share this episode with a loved one. Help them understand that you're, you're struggling and that's okay and that they can be of help to you as Courtney has been to me and how many of my family and friends have been. Please do share this podcast with your network. Also, give it a review. We need it. We want it. We love it.
0: It brings us so much joy and you will also find this uh, episode on YouTube. If you're just listening, head over to YouTube. If you want to, See our shining, beautiful faces in our living room (laughs) 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 recording this one and give it a comment as well. Share your thoughts. We really love and appreciate hearing from you, our listeners. Really keeps us going.
1: It's so true. I actually go and check the reviews about every three to five days, just seeing, you know, this is something that we're doing out of love. We're not getting paid for this podcast. This is. Uh, a, a labor of love, and we really do love knowing that it's impacting you. And we're seeing our we're seeing our numbers improve all the time, so we know that that means people are enjoying this. You are our greatest support and the best advertisement we could ever get. So tell your friends, tell your family, tell your foes Whoa. even.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the foes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. As always, we'll see you on the other side of the mushroom. All right. So I'm going to try to have this conversation without sinking into a four-day depression. Uh, I think it's an important.
0: What would you like to do after having the conversation? I would like
1: to feel that I am helping to empower others rather than highlighting my own personal uh, weaknesses. And
0: yes, can talk to others that are listening, and also experiencing a lot of these
1: yeah. types of experiences. Well, I mean, that's the reason, the main, the main reason I was inspired to have this conversation is because in the last week, I've been contacted by a couple of people who said that they struggle with a similar thing and would like some support. So I know it's a thing and people need support. <laughs> they need to know that they're not alone. Um, and there is the potential for a reframe and helping people understand that it doesn't have to just be a negative thing. You know, that's why I put out that video uh, on the Sanctuary YouTube page about psychedelic superpowers, Um, because that is a perspective that can be taken, and it is a valid perspective. I've seen it at work, so... Anyway, you know, mm-hmm. we're talking about I guess mental health overall but specifically borderline personality disorder and
0: dun, the, dun, dun.
1: well you know I mean the thing I would like to say about this is that it is aside from maybe schizophrenia it is the most stigmatized uh, mental health issue uh, there were therapists that I have worked with in the psychedelic space who have said point blank, uh, borderline people with BPD are crazy. Like, they're not able to be helped. Oh, yeah, there were therapists that you know.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, I'm not surprised. Well, I'm you like, surprised. Oh. <laughs> well, it's less of a surprise thing and more of just like a like an energetic rush of, damn, yeah. that's cold.
1: No, and it's, well, not only is it cold, but it's just not true. It's flat yeah. out not true, you know. Um, even Even the term borderline comes from in the 20s it was believed that people with BPD were borderline schizophrenic and that's what border borderline means um hmm. so you know BPD there's nine symptoms and if you have five of them then you can be diagnosed with BPD I've never been diagnosed with anything I've only been to a psychiatrist once and that Individual at age nineteen, within the first half hour of seeing me and hearing about the incredibly challenging life circumstances that I was going through at the time, uh, prescribed me Zoloft, like on the spot. I went home, took it for two weeks, and was like, "Fuck this! I'm not! I'm not doing this! I'll just smoke weed." And that's when I started really heavily self-medicating with cannabis. Um, it's it's Probably one of the most challenging um, mental health issues because majority of borderlines are functional. They're in society and they often don't know that they have this condition. But yeah, the, I, I'm probably not going to be able to list off the nine traits right now. But you can look it up if you want to. Yeah.
0: Just in the summary here, this is from the Mayo Clinic. Uh, with borderline personality disorder, you have an intense fear of abandonment or instability, and you may have difficulty tolerating being alone, yet inappropriate anger, impulsiveness, and frequent mood swings may push others away, even though you want to have loving and lasting relationships. Um, Usually begins by early adulthood and seems to be worse in young adulthood and may gradually get better with age. Uh, if you have borderline personality disorder, don't get discouraged. Many people do get better over time with treatment and can learn to live satisfying lives. So that's actually a more positive outlook than that's a, That's most. a more, modern, more mm-hmm. modern
1: and newer perspective. In the last five or seven years, it's, it has begun to change. Yeah, but you're so, not seeing those nine symptoms. I yeah. think it would be helpful to highlight those.
0: Yeah. So I already mentioned... Um, Okay, so I'll just read them. Signs and symptoms may include an intense fear of abandonment, even going to extreme measures to avoid real or imagined separation or rejection. A pattern of unstable, intense relationships, such as idealizing someone one moment and then suddenly believing the person doesn't care enough or is cruel. Rapid changes in self-identity and self-image that include shifting goals and values and seeing yourself as bad or as if you don't exist at all. Periods of stress-related paranoia and loss of contact with reality lasting from a few minutes to a few hours, impulsive and risky behavior such as gambling, reckless driving, unsafe sex, spending sprees, binge eating, drug abuse, sabotaging success by suddenly quitting a good job or ending a positive relationship, suicidal threats or behavior or self-injury often in response to fear of separation or rejection, wide mood swings lasting from a few hours to a few days which can include intense unhappiness. Uh, or intense happiness, irritability, shame, or anxiety, ongoing feelings of emptiness, and the last one, inappropriate intense anger, such as frequently losing your temper, being sarcastic or bitter, or having physical fights.
1: And you're talking about the negativity bias. There's also a uh, huge negativity bias where you just think that the world is out to get you. Uh, so you were the, actually, the the, you know, you were the person that came to me and said, I think you have this. So I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious um, as much about of your experience in this as, as much as I'd like to share my experience, uh, which just so you know, is what usually triggers me into uh, that real the The mm-hmm. kind of the darkest place is feeling how much my being and my state of being, my my human beingness is a burden on other people. So just gonna try to you know, encourage us to not talk about it in that way, but at mm-hmm. the same time, I do want you to be able to express. Yeah, what your experience has been living with this for the last 10 years. I mean,
0: so, um, all right, so my. That's it, I quit. So, <laughs> I'm a little angry Wow, you are. I need to tone it, tone it down That's over here it on this end. Is <laughs> that <said> too much? <laughs> all right. So I want to encourage all of us right now that are listening and maybe watching too, to step into your own life and be cognizant of where we might view things that we've learned to do paradigms that we've developed within our lives, um, habits and behaviors and ways of living and coping and yeah, just ways of living that we might view as issues, problems. Um, And I want to just kind of like start this out by inviting us all to see these quote unquote issues, problems as more so opportunities for learning and become curious about them. And I feel like with that attitude, we can come out of conversations feeling leaning more towards empowerment um, rather than feeling kind of doomed or like there's something wrong with us. Um, because I know that's not true. Like I know that, yes, there are ways in which all of us have developed uh, patterns that do not contribute necessarily positively to our lives and other people's lives. There are some things that we do that we could do differently, and that's what we're doing here. We're here to learn mm-hmm. uh, in this life and learn from each other and those that we choose to have relationships with, like I chose to have a relationship with you for a plethora of reasons. Mm, I would say ultimately all of them positive reasons that also like everything comes with shadow sides or things that I needed to learn about myself, which like had the relationship with you feeling really right, like Yes. Like just a yes. So, um, yeah, that's really important first and foremost. And I think in different relationships, like if things are ignored and not talked about, if both people in a relationship are not willing to be curious about each other's, um, actions, and feelings, then things things get worse, unpleasant and uncomfortable mm-hmm. and not healthy and stagnant. And that's where you're pinching off the light when you're not talking. Both parties are not willing to talk mm-hmm. about what's going on. So, uh, and that goes with anything, like whatever, whatever it is, whether you have a diagnosed condition or undiagnosed condition or whatever. So I feel like there was a period, a good couple of years of time where we got like extremely busy, which kind of that period of time ended a few years ago, a couple of years ago. And like, we were so busy in those couple of years and did not spend a lot of time together like quality time, just you and me. Mm -hmm. We had a new, we brought a new person into the world, a little person. We were living in another country. We, (laughs) not a big person. Well, he's a little big. We were living in a different country, like running this kind of like revolutionary business, which comes with immense levels of stress, like figuring things out in a foreign country. And we just like weren't able to take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm in a way that means like talking about how we feel and working through things in like a safe container. And not to mention COVID and the insanity that came with that and stress. So that's where I feel like things got really, really hard. If we're talking about like BPD signs and symptoms got really hard for you and got really hard for me. Um, so like prior to that, I feel like, yes, like these various signs and symptoms that I read off, you didn't exhibit all of them, um, um but like most of them maybe not at times. Yeah.
1: Maybe, maybe not as much or it wasn't as visible to you, but it was experienced by me internally. For mm-hmm.
0: sure. Yeah. Well, I think. Like what I initially started this conversation off with is that my own things that I, the shadow parts of our relationship, things that take a lot of energy for me to work on, mm. get through, grow out of. I entered into our relationship with those things, like as we all do in relationships. I wasn't even aware of my own unhealthy patterns. Mm that we're contributing. It's kind of like feeding in, us feeding into our mm-hmm. own unhealthy mm-hmm. patterns. Like for me, it's avoiding conflict. Like when we were first together, that was like, I avoided conflict at all costs. And so that's very unhealthy. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really tough situation when you're in a relationship with someone who is kind of like addicted to the cycle of conflict mm-hmm. um, and trying to just keep everything okay. That's something that I have done immense work on mm-hmm, with myself mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is knowing that my feelings and my opinions are just equally as important as everybody else's. It's interesting, I think, from my perspective, like I think it can be a little what's the term? My personality traits are more easy to not see, like as unhealthy, because when you're passive, Mm-hmm. When you orient more towards being passive and mm-hmm. being the peacekeeper mm-hmm. in spite of your own happiness. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, most people, are A-okay mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. They're very mm-hmm. especially as a woman. That's mm-hmm. um, it's kind of I think it's a more common thing for women to be be passive peacekeepers in spite of their own feelings and needs so i think it's a lot easier to point out like oh like the bpd person (laughs) is doing things wrong and and not see the person in the relationship that's like constantly enabling a lot of things
1: we're we're gonna get to turn this around and blame you for all my problems is that what you're saying (laughs)
0: Uh, no, <laughs> oh, no, we're not. Good, good, good. <laughs> but I, I am accepting responsibility. Like it's because that's really important. And I'm not saying I'm responsible for your behavior. No, obviously, I, know, I know, I know, at all. I know. But I have learned the difference. Well, and it's have,
1: really important to me that you do that because yes, I have very much felt like Eric's the fucked up one, and Courtney has got herself all together, and poor Courtney, she's got to deal with. Crazy Eric, you know.
0: Yeah, that is not helpful for me. Like, probably not helpful for anybody. (laughs) I know, but it's easier to see that. I think that's not helpful for you, but it's really it's extremely disempowering for me. For somebody to look at us and Mm -hmm. say he's the problem—that is—and we've had a therapist kind of like recently um, lean in that direction, which is not helpful. Cause that, I feel like that's a big, that, that is the, (laughs) those are the unhealthy pieces of like the shadow sides of me, like not speaking up for myself, um, in a way is just being able to say like, Oh, like that's their problem, not mine. Um, I'm just going to keep the peace here, like encourage them to work through things. Um,
1: And it reinforces this sense of shame and guilt that I have had. It just further embeds that into my story that if, if a therapist is making it out like, you know, you're subject to my mental whatever challenges, my mental health challenges, then it just like... Yeah, I just I just become more shameful and feeling like I'm a burden on the world and on the people that I love the most. So,
0: yeah, not helpful. And and also like failing to acknowledge the the benefits of all these signs and symptoms. Mm-hmm. It's not your first thought when you look at all those things. Is that there's a flip side? <laughs> no, like, wow. but the, there is, and mm-hmm, for sure. those same that energy. That you have coursing through you is extremely powerful. And like I have seen you in the past couple of years have such a shift in redirecting that energy more often, like with practice. I have seen you have such a, like a positive impact on people that like it's it's been like a light bulb going off for me. That this is actually a strength. And it's important that as we have more and more therapists and space holders and coaches and people that can see that, they can encourage people who have these signs and symptoms to look for that. Mm -hmm. Look for that. Focus Mm -hmm. your energy on that. And that will bring you through the really shitty days where you feel worthless. Are you looking for a community that allows you to authentically express and explore what it means to be human, one that honors the divinity within you and all life? Then Sanctuary may be just the community you have been looking for. Sanctuary is a faith-based organization centered around the sacrament of sacred mushrooms for spiritual exploration and personal development. You are invited to become a member and commune with us. Join us for a Sunday Zoom service or a weekend sacred mushroom retreat in the beautiful Kentucky countryside. Visit P S A N C T U A R Y dot org to become a member and find more information.
1: Yeah, yeah. You don't agree? Yeah, no, I do agree. I do agree. It's just that what I my hesitation there is that when you're in the midst of a really shitty day, that usually means you're gonna be in the midst of a really shitty several days. Mm -hmm. And it is it is really, really difficult for you to internally be able to say, "Okay, my suicidality is actually an expression of my desire for vitality." My, you know, um, so you can go down the list and, and flip them all around, but uh, it's just, it's just, it's, it's tough, man. It's really, really tough, and you know what? We had, I, I fully recognize that. I am getting better at shifting it uh, since I have become more consciously aware of where all this comes from. You know, if you are if you if you don't have an idea, and this is where diagnosis is helpful, it is helpful to be able to say, "Oh God, okay, all these symptoms, I have all of these symptoms, so that means I am this. I'm not just like hopelessly fucked and just crazy. Like I have a condition that can be alleviated through a process. It's like any other health condition. If you break your leg, then you've got to go through a process of repairing that. If you don't know that your leg is broken Mm -hmm. and you just think, whatever, like, I don't know, something really bad happened and you ignore it, then you're just going to be dealing with the pain and not finding the solutions to. And so 100% that the awareness is helpful in getting out of the negative loops, but this this is such a dark hole that even that can take like even having that awareness of what your condition is and the tools that are available it can seem like they are a thousand miles away and you can't even get out of the chair to go get them you know and even if it's yeah. just a thought if it's trying to cling on just grab onto some kind of thought that can help pull you towards the light can be, it's that negative self-talk, it's that negative bias that just, even if you do think something positive, there's that voice to tell you immediately you're, no, you're wrong, you're worthless, you're actually, not only are you worthless, you're detrimental to the lives around you, and it's just like, I mean, BPD people, it, it's it's the highest rate of suicidality of any mental illness. They have the, high, it's the highest, it's the highest attempt and the highest completion rate. Thirty percent of people diagnosed with BPD attempt suicide. Ten percent of those thirty percent actually are successful. And that's not even counting the people who like myself for many years were trying to slowly commit suicide with alcohol and tobacco and drugs and whatnot. You know, so it's a real, real challenge. That the more the the more we sweep it under the rug, or the more we we talk about it as, um, you know, this this illness, then the less help we actually provide for people.
0: Yeah, I mean, I looking back, I you know, if I if I was speaking with someone who was in a similar position as where we were at, like say five years ago, I would really really encourage. Like if I was speaking to someone like like me,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, I would really encourage them to have the conversation with their spouse who they may think like something, you know, is not getting across here. in my communication, something's off, like, you know, to just if they think that their spouse might be di- diagnosable with BPD, I would definitely encourage them to like talk to them about it, because I wish, looking back, that I would have said something sooner. Like, so, I mean, I
1: guess that's a question um, that I've never really asked you before, because when you said that to me, it was when our lives were in just absolute turmoil. You know, it was like the, the symptoms were becoming so apparent that you yeah. had to say something. But how long had you had that suspicion before you actually said something?
0: Probably, like, initially a couple of years before that, there would be times like, you know, there's cycles with this. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes when you were in your deepest places of depression, um, and I would kind of like be Googling online, that would come up. I would think, hmm, this could be it. But honestly, I feel like my generation is very... Like deemed as the duped generation, and looking online at mental health websites for all the signs and symptoms of everything wrong with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just like, I feel like a lot of people could be diagnose, diagnosed mm-hmm. with a variety of things that aren't oh, wow. necessarily them. And so I, mean, I dismissed mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff initially. Like, oh, here we go, some more diagnoses. Mm-hmm and at the time i was very much operating under it's unhelpful to be diagnosed with things mm-hmm. in that perspective it just puts labels on people and then the people and then we start to operate as if we are that and so i was very dismissive of a lot of that and didn't see po- any positives in adhering to that or bringing it up <laughs> with you I don't know. It'd be cycles of probably like every six months to a year where things you'd really be going through it and in the state of turmoil. And I would just be at a place of loss and how to help you. Um, and, And like, that's where my, the parts of me that I've grown so much in is when I'm feeling that way, instead of losing myself and helping someone else um, stepping into myself and stating my needs, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like has become extremely apparent at how helpful that is mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying oh, like, I don't matter right now, mm-hmm. sweep that under the rug. You don't, your feelings are besides the point. We need to focus on Eric now and that can really feed into this, like mm-hmm. unhealthy pattern. So, um, yeah, I would fall into that. And I guess when it got to that point of can't ignore this anymore, this is all those factors of stress, um, which I would think for for probably a lot of people uh, in 2020 that a lot of mental health (laughs) diagnoses were made. All that stress, people being isolated and Mm -hmm. um, people being isolated, number one, uh, and also financial stress and so much Mm -hmm. um, fear. So it got to that point and we had like, I couldn't, I was like, something's got to change and this is the only thing I haven't voiced. And so let's give this a go and see if this helps, um, so and I'm very, very grateful. I think it shows incredible strength on your part to be able to say, "I want, like, I want help," and I, I, not just for you, but for us and for our kids and our family unit and for all the people that we could be of service to, because um, a lot of people they may have these big dips and say yes like I need help like you know kind of a rock bottom point and then get it and then stop um shining light on these various challenges so mm. I'm really really proud of you and how you had you were willing and open to have that conversation with me instead of like fighting it and ignoring it um, well you knows. have
1: uh, you're you're pretty good about approaching things from a place of compassion. You know, there are certainly other people in my life who would have just said, you're, you know, you have, I think you have this and you're crazy and you need help and I don't need help, you know. And so your approach has been uh, extremely, extremely, which, you know, that is one of the key aspects of BPD is constantly feeling invalidated. And that's suspected as being one of the sources of BPD. It's not, it's not well determined how much of it is genetic, how much of it is environmental, um, but it does seem to uh, coincide with ongoing invalidation, which I, I can look back at my history growing up as a child and see that I was very much invalidated um, over and over and over from from very early on, and so you validating my feelings while not buying into the story, not participating in the story of it, is really 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 helpful. You know.
0: What do you mean not well, participating like you were in the story?
1: How when instead of being like, "Oh, Eric's suffering right now, I need to go help him," like focusing oh. on what helps you.
0: Yeah. it's runs it's
1: it's so much so much when I think of this and I reflect on this I think about that mushroom trip that we had in in Paoli where I was just a burning ball of torment like just remember I was like pouring water all over me and I was just like hot and just I was just a ball of torment and you were you know 30 20 feet away from me saying, you can just come over here. You don't have to stay there. You can just come over here. And I have thought so many times, as you have taken care of yourself when I was in these places, that you were showing me the way out. You weren't coming there and doing more of that, like, you know, just feeding into the story. Poor Eric. I mean, that's so much of what I grew up with that contributed to the story is this poor Eric, he's always suffering, poor Eric. And it's just not helpful. So to be able to show, to, to validate my feelings, yes, I understand what you're feeling is real, but there's another way that you can feel. And I'll be over here feeling this way. And whenever you're ready, I'm gonna be here waiting for you to come over here. I'm not, it's like the Abraham thing, right? Like when she talks about how like, the abraham isn't going to go into the negative feelings with you right mm-hmm. it's like i'm not coming over there with you mm-hmm. into the misery but i'll be here waiting in the joy whenever you're whenever you're ready yeah and it's uh very often it is a you know bloody nail crawl into the light kind of thing but without that anchor of someone over there in the light then yeah, I don't. I don't know how you make it out, you know, because all you see is the darkness that you're surrounded by.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, that was remembering that trip was is so wonderful. That was like, yeah, that's definitely top top three. I'd say top three mm. mushroom trips for me. Mm. Like the voicing that, mm-hmm. like I had held that feeling for years Mm -hmm. that like there's not a problem with us there's not a something wrong with me like this is an opportunity this is like life is here to live and celebrate and and it's a whole other level when you're explaining that or inviting someone else into that perspective I feel like it's solidified for me and in a big way I wouldn't say solidified it's still like you know waves Mm -hmm. Um, of understanding but that had that big emotional impact on me like seeing you like I saw myself mm. in you mm. plenty of times in my life have I I have been in that place of misery and self-loat- self-loathing and what's wrong with me and there's a problem here and I should go away and uh, you know when I was going through eating disorder stuff out of high school that was I lived in a place of like wasting away like I don't my happiness doesn't matter like I'm you know I just need to like be smaller I need to be uh, less less than I am and so on that day in that mushroom trip I saw me and you and it just like some like a light bulb went off in me that I was able to invite you in to joy and happiness and stay there myself without being pulled in mm-hmm. to what you were going through was like life-changing. Mm. And I have such a clear memory mm-hmm. of that. I'm able to way more than I used to. Uh, now I'm able to like hold that within myself <clears throat> When you're going through a hard time, or someone else's, because mm-hmm. um, it is hard. It's hard for me, like I mentioned before, to not get pulled into people's stuff. Uh, sometimes, like um, I feel a lot. I really feel for people, and um, so learning that skill to that that focus, like being able to focus on joy and. Mm-hmm. Holding that is, yeah, it's a, a skill.
1: Yeah, know. It. It's, it's something I've seen you get better at, for sure. And it's helpful, very much so. And I, it's something that I have applied to our son. You know, when I see him get into those places, um, to be able to relate to him that I'm going to be here, it's okay. You, can, you And you see it, like, you... You see him, or I see him come out of those dark places so much quicker when I just let him know I'm here. Like, and I verbally will say to him, You know, like, I understand you're upset right now. What you're feeling, it's okay. What you're feeling, I'm over here. When you're feeling better and you want to come feel better, I'm over here. And yeah. I feel like that is giving him a toolkit, you know, for down the road.
0: It, I've already seen him. Applying that mm-hmm. with Ananda, with us. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, even his, even his, like his self awareness to go have time by himself when he gets home from school mm-hmm. is a part of that. He know there's a part of him that knows he's overwhelmed and he needs to go take some space and he'll come back when he's ready. Yeah, and that's really like what I want to try to accomplish through this conversation for anybody that listens is help people understand that they're, A, they're not alone, and B, there are tools. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. It will get easier, and that's certainly one thing that I have experienced over my journey with this is that as you get older, as the as the uh, whatever website you said was, uh, and as the research shows, that as you get older, the symptoms of VPD tend to lessen, um, and so that is something helpful to look forward to but even before that then and even throughout that you you do need tools to help bring yourself back to reality because the reality that you get lost in in a BPD spiral is not the true the true reality it's a it's a reality of the story that we have told ourselves and to become aware of that story. And that's not to say that, like, the life experiences that have you know, led to these feelings and, and this condition being a part of your life weren't real or don't matter. But what actually does matter is right here, right now. And so, when you get into one of these loops, when I get into one of these loops, the most helpful, one of the most helpful things that I can do. Is acknowledge that I'm there and then start to look for other versions of the story.
0: From my perspective, knowing you so well, um, see that as a positive, like see the positive side mm. of that in you, which is that your ability to focus mm. intensely mm-hmm. and like be so um perseverant in life and like really once you decide to do something you continue to do it and you stay focused and you conti- you just will push through really challenging what's the word thresholds mm-hmm. to like get to the other side. And I feel like that comes with these times where like this intense focus is you just needs to be redirected. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I mean it's allowed it's enabled you to create incredible organizations and be of support to so many people. Um because it's something that most people will not push through challenges like like to even the a hundredth of what you have pushed through,
1: um, appreciate saying to that. Create. I mean, when every day things. is a challenge, you know. I guess that helps to ingrain that in you. You know. I mean, I God, I can absolutely remember times in grade school, just like, I, just having to push through to get through a, a day of just being. And it's crazy. I mean. Kind of crazy to think that I I have gotten through as much as I have and not really hurt myself. I mean, it it used to be nothing. I would anywhere I was, I would scanning looking for a way that I could kill myself there. Like it was it was it's been so so tough so many times. And I guess what I would want to say is that the other part, the other behavior, the other tool, one of the other tools that has allowed me to find more relief is having the ability to express what I'm feeling. Because if you're feeling like killing yourself and you just sit there and you don't tell anybody and you're just looping in your head, Mm -hmm. you know, or if you feel like everybody's out to get you and it's just looping in your head, like that shit is like, that is not helpful. But if you can have someone that you can voice it to and say, look, I am really feeling worthless. Can you help provide me a reminder Mm -hmm. you know, of my value, of my worth, that is such an important part. And you might not immediately believe necessarily what it is that's reflected back at you in terms of uh, you know, why you're important to somebody else, but it, it's that same kind of thing, like that, that anchor over there in the light, that, okay, there's somebody over there that believes this, and maybe I can convince myself of the same thing
0: yeah, so that brings up for me um, a question which I feel like I have the answer to, but for those listening, are there lifestyle changes uh, that you've made as far as like kind of staying away from certain lifestyle habits or patterns and moving towards other uh, patterns, mm-hmm. um, things? mm mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, not smoking weed all day is the first thing that comes to my mind. And that is a hard thing to try to convey to somebody that is smoking weed all day. Really hard because you just think it's harmless. I feel better when I smoke pot. But the truth of it is it creates emotional instability. It really does. It's The swings, I mean, you get high and then you get low and then you get high. and, And when you're using cannabis all day long, that's... That's what happens. So that's been one of the biggest lifestyle changes that has improved my overall stability. I know you would agree with that. And then the other thing that is extremely valuable, extremely important, is to inundate yourself with positive messaging. Fucking listen to positive messaging like you smoked weed all day. Mm -hmm. And I I do that. You hear me? I wake up in the morning and get a meditation in, a little journaling in when I can, if the kids aren't up early and then I'm like listening to some kind of positive messaging about our usually about our grander nature as a as a spiritual being or about our the the power of our conscious and subconscious mind because that's another aspect of this is your subconscious if you're struggling with BPD and other forms of mental illness, but I can only speak to what I know, which is this, uh, then your subconscious is programmed with the belief that you're worthless. It's programmed with the belief that you are a burden onto the world around you, that the world would be better off if you just took yourself out. Everybody will get over your death pretty quickly and they'll pick up and move on and be much happier afterwards. And it's not, that is not true. It is It is. An, complete and utter falsehood. Every single person on this planet has somebody that loves them, has someone that wants them there. And if it's just one person, that's that's enough. But it's always more than one person. There's always people that you can look to. And that's been something that I have done is like taking inventory. I continue to try to do pretty regularly is take inventory of the people who do care about me, you know, who show up for me. Let's see what else. I definitely don't drink like I used to. I used to drink a lot, um, which was that kind of shame-inducing, guilt-inducing behavior. Uh, At the same time, you know, I don't. I do enjoy cannabis. I do enjoy a beer, and I do want to be able to use those substances in a in a moderate way. And I don't know. I'm I'm like authentically curious about your perspective on where I'm at with that right now. I'm. you know i'm mainly using edible cannabis in the evening has been my routine delta 9
0: <laughs> legal it's actually a
1: combination of delta 8 and delta
0: 9 or legal whatever thc yeah. however that works i'm still not clear so fucking ridiculous
1: <laughs> but anyway um i do i do use cannabis still um and you know i'm kind of back at the daily thing but i'm not doing it all day long i'm pretty much just in the evenings after dinner i'll eat a little gummy and uh alcohol you know i tend to sporadically drink anyway i'm no i'm really i'm authentically curious though about and you can drop a bomb on me right here if you want to. <laughs>
0: Publicly, yeah. gosh, look at that. That's okay. See that I mean, flip side?
1: You got to be able to fucking face shit, man. If you're going to grow, you got to be able to face it. And that's, you know, I've seen this in the psychedelic world that the psychedelic leaders that will not face their own shadow. I've seen this in my family. Like, this is a huge part of why I deal with this is because my family, hi, mom. <laughs> Won't face their fucking shadow.
0: So many people. Like, what a stigma so it is people. to admit that publicly mm-hmm. or to anyone really um, that you have challenges uh, with mental health. Like, I mean, for pilots, for, oh, yeah, surgeons, some careers for you just can't, attorneys, yeah. for, mm-hmm. I mean, all kinds of things will get you immediately mm-hmm. like docked. From I mean, it was, it was the your job.
1: When I, when I just, and you know, this is only like the second or third time that I've really talked about this publicly, but it was a major concern of mine that if I start talking about this publicly, that people are not going to want to come to me for psychedelic support. You know, again, it's the most stigmatized. When you tell people you have BPD, they take a step back. You know, like... Mm-hmm. What are you going to do next? <laughs> maybe any fucking thing is the deal. You know, like the truth of it is you don't know. I'm capable of anything, but... <laughs> no, I mean, but when you're stable, you know, like... I mean, that's the that's the real truth, and that's why people are intimidated by B, by BPD because unchecked BPD, like the unhealthy behaviors that people can get into to just try to destroy their lives can destroy everyone around them. It's a, right. it's a very real thing I and mean, I recognize that.
0: That's where if if we are voicing our challenges then personally I and I'm sure many of you listening can relate when you are seeing someone who you respect and like enjoy being around or listening to or whatever And you hear them voice, like get vulnerable Mm. and admit something that, you know, is stigmatized. Personally, I gain a tremendous amount of respect for that person. Um, One, I get to feel within myself that, oh, they're like me. I don't put them on this pedestal anymore Mm. that, that disempowers me personally mm-hmm. when people become people in front of our eyes then we are lifted up and we see mm-hmm. they're i think they're awesome look at all this shit they've accomplished that i would love to accomplish in my life and what they're getting vulnerable and telling me the challenges they have in their life
2: mm-hmm.
0: i can do that stuff too then like they're mm-hmm. like me mm-hmm. i'm a human mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. a human
2: mm-hmm.
0: so to and to hear like in all along with our relationship from go, you have been extremely, you've been willing to be vulnerable with me and tell me really hard truths that were hard for you to voice. And that, I mean, I've never had anyone in my life that was that authentically transparent with me ever, not even close. And that's something that I, I mean, I just love, so much about you. I have so much confidence in you. Like for a number of different reasons, but that is probably one of the biggest ones is that I know you're going to talk to me. Like you're going to talk to me Mm -hmm. when you're going through something. And to me, people that aren't able to voice that scares me a little bit. Like if you're not getting vulnerable with me and I've known you Mm -hmm. for six months Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on a regular basis we've been engaging with each other in whatever way i'm gonna start questioning like what are you hiding from Mm me you you haven't told me anything that you struggle with or have struggled with Mm -hmm. or you know that i'm just wondering like What's going on?
1: As you should, as you should, and I mean, I, I so, really, I really feel like in the psychedelic world, this is something that has, it's, it's gonna come up. It's a real deal. There are, you know, a lot, there's a lot of folks out there that are touting psychedelics and how, and not getting real with their own personal struggles,
0: pointing a lot of fingers, pointing a lot of fingers, <laughs> um, this way. Not this way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that, that's, that is by far the single biggest red flag to me when it comes to working with someone who is uh, in the psychedelic space is if they're not willing to tell you about their struggles. And I don't mean some surface level, like, oh, yes, I had depression and now I'm better. Like, I want to know. I want to know what you've been through, you know, um, because if I'm going to be real, if I'm going to get, if I'm going to, bear my soul and by god yeah the people that are supporting me better be able to do the same thing as well so that's a whole other big topic but yeah no back to the question of lifestyle and whatnot you know uh, another thing i would add you know i just i just mentioned the unhealthy behaviors but there are a lot of healthy behaviors you
0: mentioned as well like positive messages throughout the day you're
1: right i I just think it was like gardening being barefoot, mm-hmm. being connected mm-hmm. to nature. because uh, people who are highly sensitive are you're absorbing energy all the time. I mean, I I see this, I have experienced this so deeply and so tangibly in psychedelic space. There's someone I was working with the other day, you know, it's just like I can feel like actually feel their energy and feel my energy. And I can feel it with trees and with the dog and and so,
0: without you having communed with mushrooms, without you having taken
1: mushrooms, yeah. And so, to be able to, to consciously go and tap into the healing power of nature is is so important. It's so 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 important. Um, and then ex- exercise, working out. You know, I understand our systems now much more in this kind of um, re- relative to traditional Chinese medicine and the. Uh, The meridians and there's blockages of energy. And so, like, going and continue to work out and exercise does a lot to push out meditation and journaling and positive focus. So, anyway, there's lots of positive things you can do aside from just cutting out the negative things. But yeah, I am really curious, as you know, from an outside perspective, how you're seeing my engagement with things like cannabis Mm. and alcohol and positive feedback loops as well.
0: <clears throat> um. Okay. Let's see. So with the Delta Eight and Nine. Um, <laughs> uh. So yeah. When I think initially, I I was out with a a friend and we stopped by a CBD shop and got talking with the owner and he told oh, yeah, me wrong. about Delta Eight and I'm like, what is this? and he was telling me about it like yeah like it you know it definitely like you will feel it um so be like you know start slow and i'm like okay whatever you say and then i got home and i almost ate they it came in little gummies and um i'm pretty sensitive myself um so i almost took a whole gummy cuz i'm like this is really like come on <laughs> i'm like a full serving size is one gummy. So like with CBD, I got to take like five times the serving size in order to feel anything. So um, something was like ringing in my head though. Like him being like, start slow. And so I'm like, okay. And I took half a gummy and I was like very like tuned in and yeah, tapped in. You're high. I was very high. So it was very high and we went out somewhere and I was not expecting uh, it. And yeah, I was yeah. just like side swiped by yeah. being so high from this legal in Kentucky. Um, if you don't already know, we're in Louisville, <laughs> Kentucky, where cannabis uh, THC is illegal, weirdly, um, <laughs> still, still here, but this is not. So anyway, I brought it home and told you about it and you were like, yeah, whatever. Uh, like, like I five. was <laughs> five, and then you got a little high. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so I started it, I will admit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> bringing home the gummies that's why I told that story. Okay. <laughs> and um, so when you started taking them regularly, like at night, um, I was feeling nervous. I was feeling like, oh boy, here we go. Like mm. soon enough, is is he gonna be back? Like all day, mm-hmm. Delta eight in it, um, <laughs> Delta eight gummy in the coffee, Delta. Eight. <laughs> 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 like how far is this gonna go? So, and there have been a few days where you started early uh, in the day. It was when
1: I got flour. Whenever I got flour, remember I got a couple of bags. Okay, I got some weed a couple got some times. Flour. It's like so enticing to.
0: Yeah, there have been some very short periods mm-hmm. where I got nervous and I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. when am I going to need to bring up the conversation on this and how do I do this without, you know, sending you into a spiral? Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I can't, we kind of briefly talked about it at some point. I can't there remember. There was one
1: time you said something and I was like, yeah, I know. It's, it's happening.
0: Yeah, I kind of tried to gently bring it up but I was concerned because, that's the thing I've noticed over the years when cannabis is an all day thing with you, then, um, the, the inability to like track pat- thoughts and mm-hmm. patterns m- I've seen makes it really hard for you to do that refocusing thing that mm-hmm. we just talked mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Um, you get really, really focused, mm-hmm. seems harder for you to track, like how to, the steps to refocusing. um, but we had that little chat and you were like, all right, yep. And then you backed off and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, wow, cool. Um, Cause in the past, you know, like <laughs> say when we were first together, I mean, I've got image, I've got visuals right now of you just like scraping resin off of the, <laughs> out of bowls. Like I'm out of weed. Oh God. Typical pothead behavior. Um not addicted
1: though. <laughs> not addicted. Yeah,
0: I'm like I think there's something wrong if you're doing this. No, there's not. <laughs> 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 I'm like <laughs> Okay. Oh uh, yeah, so we didn't go through that. Um so that was great with alcohol. Uh I mean there hasn't been any concern for me there but you've I mean you've generally been just like a one to two beers a night type of person for since I've known you I mean there have been periods where um harder alcohol in like a social environment has been a thing but I don't know like with me alcohol I am very I'm just generally very sensitive like fit like my physical Nature, Um, Mm. I feel like as I've over the years adjusted my diet and lifestyle, I've gotten and tracked a lot. I've done a lot of journaling on like what I eat and how I feel and because I had, I was diagnosed with IBS uh, when I was in middle school and part of that was tracking a lot of that and skating and everything. So I'm like really dialed in to my body. Mm. So little things I feel, whereas a lot of people I think just kind of aren't aware because Mm. they haven't done the work. Um, I am, so maybe it's not that I'm sensitive, but I'm just more aware of from practice. Right. So alcohol for me, I'm like, now I'm back on this track of like, I'm really feeling that alcohol, I don't like the way I feel when I drink. Um, and I go through this where sometimes I like to drink a little bit and I like it. And then sometimes I'm like, no, no, mm. this is not you what I like. You
1: usually like to drink alcohol until I buy you a drink and then you're like oh yeah no I'm not drinking
0: now <laughs> okay that's another podcast <laughs> we're talking about you um, <laughs> um, yeah so recently like I think I've become more aware that you're drinking a couple beers and I'm not
1: mm-hmm. yeah and it's not every night I mean I'll like I, I get like a six pack of beer and it'll last me through the week is kind of how I tend to do it and you know, I'm not saying that's I'm not saying that's like something I would encourage anyone know, to do. I mean alcohol is a neurotoxin. We know that, period. It's not good for you. Um, but you know, I'm I, I do think there I'm I'm grateful that I can engage with it because it is something that I enjoy. I enjoy. I mowed the yard last yesterday, I had a couple beers. I enjoy that, you know? Uh so anyway, that's mm. that's been
0: I will say like I do notice with you that you are more irritable uh, when you drink, even if it's one, one or two beers. I think. I'm more
1: impatient. I do get impatient. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I am the same way. Um, like, initially, I feel more loose, mm-hmm. um, but it takes about an hour mm-hmm. for me to feel annoyed, like more easily annoyed. And I think that's because of my lower ability to emotionally regulate, like mm-hmm. uh, notice. I want to say. My instinct or my uh, reaction is to do this mm. uh, and with alcohol I just do that mm. uh, more so without alcohol I will see it that I want to do that and I'll not always but I'm more likely to weigh the options because mm. like I've got the capacity um, to do that so mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all right it's all very relevant though it's very relevant to this topic of mental health and exacerbating symptoms for sure.
0: Yeah, and then with your routines of meditation in the morning, like that has positively impacted me so much, so much. Like in the past couple of years, you've been regularly meditating. I mean, there's been
2: yeah, some but, yeah, you're falling right. off,
0: but and that's mostly kid related, mm. um sleeping and that kind of thing with the kids, but you getting up and meditating and me seeing that reminds me like how good that feels and has encouraged me to meditate more. Mm -hmm. Uh, And especially the um, thought leaders, I would say that you regularly tune into Mm -hmm. um, have had tremendous positive impact on my life. So much. I have stepped into myself and like embraced myself and what I'm capable of on, I mean, a whole other level. Like I am so much mm-hmm. happier, mm-hmm. like this year, say, mm-hmm. than just a couple years ago. Um, and I th-
1: yeah. That's that you being. And seeing my children, my family, my surroundings being positively affected by me uh, is the feedback loop that I'm going for, you know, because it's the the opposite of the other. And, you know, I do want to recognize that my my compulsion towards the poly stuff uh, was, I think, in many ways a symptom of the BPD, and it created enough stress for you and for me that it really, it really like it was this negative feedback loop of me feeling shameful and you feeling bad. And just, and then so now to see the opposite. And I'm not saying like that is the, like, because that's not part of our lives right now, that that has fixed everything. Or I'm not saying that Polly is wrong or whatever, you know, but I do really see that when you're feeling better because of my mental state, because of my behavior, that it helps me feel better about myself, you know, instead Mm -hmm. of perpetuating this shame and guilt cycle, it's perpetuating a confidence and joy, you
0: know? Yeah. I mean, with the non monogamy stuff for me, like the beginnings of that. In our relationship, I mean, for me, that kind of started in a way before you and I were together, just that consideration. But Mm -hmm. a lot of that was looking at relationships in our society and seeing that Mm -hmm. people cheat Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. you know, aren't honest Mm -hmm. a lot, Mm -hmm. a lot more than Mm -hmm. we are culturally willing to talk about and address. And Mm -hmm. so... That was like a very conscientious... For
1: sure, for sure. But um, that, that compulsion towards um, perceiving myself to having value by women being attracted to me, mm-hmm. that's a part of the BPD loop, Yeah, right? It's part of the validation thing. And it's, uh, it's so much more validating to see you feeling confident and you feeling happy and safe and all that and you know i don't know who knows where life's leading and uh, you know like whatever i'm 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 not looking for any of that i don't think you're looking for any of that all of this stuff like cannabis alcohol the the sexuality like i'm i'm not in any way saying that any of this is necessarily wrong you know and i don't want any of our listeners to think that we're being critical of lifestyles but it the intention behind the thing and the way that you engage with the thing is extremely important to the outcome of the thing.
0: Yeah, and like it being an ongoing conversation and curiosity and I mean, listening probably... listening. Because that's the thing mm-hmm. is that we got enough indicators um with like with cannabis that, you know, ease up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Instead of listening and saying, okay, like I'm going to get curious about that and see mm-hmm. how that feels Um and back off a little bit uh, for, yeah, for a little while mm-hmm. uh, or with the efforts in non-monogamy, like, like really being willing to say like this, you know, I think we might back off for a little while mm-hmm. and this isn't feeling right right now and being willing to listen to that. And I think for people that are high power overachievers, um, as I've heard it termed recently, there is this tendency to ignore um, uncomfort and push through Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. And while that can be really positive, like as I mentioned, and have a lot of benefits, it can also be not positive. Mm -hmm, (laughs) It can mm -hmm. be harmful. Mm -hmm. So, So yeah, I think we're getting better at that. Just being willing to say like, Okay, we don't have to be like we don't have to like commit to this mm-hmm. this radical like lifestyle. You know, we can kind of meet it in the middle and... I will smoke weed all day, every day until I
1: die. Yeah. No, it's it's a hundred percent. hundred percent. That and that that focus, you know, anyway, there's a whole lot that we could talk about this. And I think this should probably have another episode at some point where we talk about this again because it is valuable. There's a lot of material in here that impacts a lot of people. There's a lot of perspective here that doesn't just apply to BPD, but into healthy living together as a couple, as a community, as families, you know, like you said, listening to each other, taking cues on behaviors that are unhealthy. And so anyway, uh, I'm going to go pick up the kids.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, I've enjoyed, really enjoyed this conversation mm. and I feel how much do you more, feel?
1: I feel I feel empowered I feel very much uh, like we are on an upward trajectory that we're doing better and better all the time and I'm really super super grateful to have a partner like you that I can talk about these challenges with and come out feeling better
0: Thank you we're extremely fortunate indeed till right. next time till next time